Shalom, everybody. Boker Tov. God bless you. And welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show from the land of Israel and from Judea. I'm joined by my beloved Maka Fleischer. Maka Shalom. Shalom. We've had a, a wonderful uh, week, um, and I'm a little bit discombobulated because there's so many things going on. Um, I want to say that the uh, that this week has certainly seen an uptick in what I call the narrative war against right. Israel. Right. Uh, you, you think it's that- an uptick? There's, there's like more than most of the time. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of an uptick, and that's because I think uh, partially because I think some folks think that the Biden administration is going to be more uh, receptive to the narrative war against Israel. Mm-hmm. So their narrative war is back. Uh, their narrative war is on many fronts. For example, the Palestinian Authority began to uh, dismantle, disassemble, destroy, uh, and damage. Uh, the the altar of Joshua in uh, in Mount Eval in Samaria uh, over the town of Shechem Shechem or Nablus, uh, and that is an important Jewish historical site, and it's under attack. And it was covered yesterday on Channel Twelve, and now now there's a big thing happening. But definitely, uh, definitely, people are uh, upset about the fact that they're attacking a physical site. So you say, right. so you might say to me, how is attacking a physical site? Part of the narrative war against Israel. No, no, no. It's not. Well, it's just not a, like Kupat Cholim Klalit in right. some town. It's it's, it's an ancient an altar. Ancient, it's like a very historical piece of evidence that the Jewish people have a long history here, based based in the Bible. Basically, it's like it's from. It's a thing that is recorded in the Bible. It's a location. And you know how it is when people read the Bible. They're like, well, I don't know. It's a story. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. You know, so when you have a a piece of evidence like that, which basically proves the Bible and proves the Jewish, like, continuous relationship and ancient relationship with the land of Israel, uh, when you destroy that, that is very, very bad. And you, you can see so often one of like to make a crazy comparison, you, you see so often like how, short people's memories can be on uh on social media right now there's this like huge inflamed outrage over israel because israel is not vaccinating all the residents of the palestinian authority and they're like well israel's an occupier israel owes it israel uh you know is supremacist because it's only inoculating jews and they obviously you know don't care about the rights or the lives of these other human beings and what's wrong with them. But just in December, information came out that the Palestinian Authority didn't ask Israel for any help to get vaccinations. No, they, they, they more, more clearly, they said, we don't want your yeah, help. Yeah, we don't want your help. We got this. We got and this. they went to Russia and they made their own deal. Right. But... Ever since then, I, it's only hear, it's only been. I hear Russian vaccine very good. Right, very that was good. that was at the yeah, that was that was at the end of December. So now we're at the end of February. That's two months, right? December to January to February, right? That's two months, and already people like they cannot remember that. And I'm constantly, constantly putting this link up to a J Post article that I found on this topic, up on on different people's threads where they're talking about like the you know, disgustingness of Israel and how it's not vaccinating the, the poor Palestinians. So if the, the, if the memory of people can't make it for two months, how's it going to make it for 2,000 years, right? Uh, you, more like 3,000 3, years. years. More, more than 3,000 years, right? So the, right. Al- so the right. altar of Joshua has been, uh, has been physically attacked. 
in in Mount Eval, and that is part of what we call the that's the wing of the narrative war, which is history erasure, the erasure right. of Jewish history. So that's so that's one attack. Then we have the ICC, the International Criminal Court right. at the Hague. Uh, I, I, I will I, I like to call it the International Criminal Court, the, <laughs> the criminal court, right? Right, Court no. of Criminals. Court run by criminals, right. the, the the criminal court, and so <laughs> is that funny? I, I think, think it's funny. funny. I think it's hilarious. Anyway, I got a smile. Yeah, me too. A little chuckle. Anyway, um, so so they're they're trying to attack Israel now. Interestingly, Germany and Hungary have come to the defense of Israel and the Czech Republic and others, and are like Palestine is in a state, and so therefore the ICC has no jurisdiction over it. And, and, and I'm like thinking to myself, yeah, that's true. That's true, but but and and there's a legal way to explain why why the ICC has no jurisdiction. But there's another little problem, which is there is no war crimes. What are you even talking about? Go to places where the, where, where where human beings are under attack, not here in Israel, where human beings are are treated in a pathway of liberty, a pathway of seeing the value of each individual person. Like the the blood libel is is an amazing thing. The blood libel is when you have the most decent people being attacked for the most indecent thing, right? Like, 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 here's my scenario. The ICC is like, the Jews are making matzah out of Christian babies. And then the Germans and the Hungarians are like, well, you don't have jurisdiction because of this, uh, because of this matter. That's because the only of this, way they know how to operate, though, these days is to talk in these, this, like, this technical matter. It's like, no, there yeah. is, there, nobody's making matzahs out of children. The whole thing is absurd. And so, uh, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed with that, but that's a, that's a, right, that, definitely. which wing is that? That's the legal wing. Right. That's the legal wing. So that's different. Right. Of the that's narrative a, war. Right. That's a different branch of the narrative war. So there's the legal wing. There's the historical erase history wing. And then also, uh, we're under attack right now on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Okay. Wikipedia is, uh, uh, you you know it's like a, it's like a big body of voting. You know that you like you vote on if things are true or not. You vote on truth. What do you mean? You can vote on Wikipedia. You, you that's the only way that things get like decided because there's a lot of arguments and at the end it's a decision process made by vote and and, and well the, anytime I've ever tried and I haven't tried very often but ever anytime that I've ever tried to change an article on Wikipedia it always seems to me like the owner. The person who wrote it gets to decide whether... Far from it, far can, from it. There's a lot of... If, when, you, when you're arguing on big stuff, so at the end, it's a voting process, and, and the, more, the more you have VETEC, what's that called? Uh, oh, uh, like... Uh, experience, um, long-standing VETEC. experience, uh, and yeah. so you vote on it. So right now, there's a vote to basically write about a Jewish street in Hebron, call it Shahada Street, right. which is which is which is Martyr Street or Murder of Jews Street, and it's a whole Wikipedia entry about wow. it. And they want to deny that there's Jewish people living there for thousands of years in the street. So it's like so so there you have there you have what's called now fake truth. Right. Okay, uh, and we talk about that in the next. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, uh, I talked about it uh, with Rav Mike Foyer. Seniority, Yaakov yes, walks a seniority. Thank you, Yaakov walks. Thank you, and I want to also mention uh, Paul Sunny. Okay, from Sunny India, love and support from Israel uh, to Israel from India, and God bless you, Paul. Thank you so much for saying shalom to us. I just want you to know that that Mark and I have not yet been to India. But that is definitely yes, we would like to go. Definitely on the bucket list. Definitely on the bucket list. And whenever I've made uh, any any talks 
to like big international groups. So, so it looks something like this. I'll talk to like Columbia University and everybody will be like, I'll be like Jews have rights in Judea. We've lived here for 3,800 years. Here's what the crowd looks like. No, they're just looking at me. And there's always one guy who, who, who I, I don't mean to stereotype may look Indian and he's like this always like, yes. <laughs> yes, I am with you. And inevitably, it's an Indian person comes up to me and he says, you know, everything you say is right. I'm, we're, we're with you. Right. And, and that's, a, that's, a powerful, uh, that's a powerful thing. So thank you very much, Paul, uh, for your support uh, from India. And we're looking forward to, to be there. And we have somebody who says, good morning from Bifrin Biafran. Biafran. Do you know what that is? I'm not so up on it, but I hear this name come up periodically. I really should learn more. Uh, because there's a lot, actually, there's some, th- there's a lot of like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't even know what that is. Outreach from the like, I think, I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a yes, little okay. bit, I'm feeling well, under-informed yeah, about so we're something. Gonna, we're going to be more informed next time. No, no, no. Help me out now and explain okay, to me so what Biafra from Atlanta is. I don't Michelin know what that is. Michelin Anthony, please tell us, explain to us where this is. That's right. And we have a good morning from a very cold Manchester, UK. Um... And and says Michelin, he's already saying, are you aware of Jews in Africa, Biafra? I am not, so let me know about that. Uh, and people are just saying hello from all over the world right now. I can't barely even keep up with it, uh, but people are saying shalom from different places. Oh, somebody writes, I, I like this, where, where, where was this gush? Um, anyone can edit Wiked, Wikipedia, okay, Wikipedia. That's true, anybody can edit it, but I think there's been studies shown that it's, it's relatively accurate. But you know, I, I gotta tell you guys something. It's really, there's two kinds of people in this world, right? Uh, there's two, just two kinds of people. People have, uh, and the rest don't count, which is <laughs> the, the kind that have been under media attack and the kind that have never been under media attack. Like if you've never really felt, it's like being in a terrorist attack. There's a difference between a person who's been, had rocks thrown on them, and a person who hasn't had rocks thrown at them. There's a difference if you've ever had uh, the the sensation of being on the wrong side of the media, where the media and the narrative war will to call you bad names. Like, I'm I'm recurrently called an occupier, a thief, a racist, an apartheid. All the like, time. Like, so, so like, Which it, is crazy. It's crazy. It's a crazy experience. Crazy. Crazy. I, not, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people probably who are listening to our show who have had this experience, at least in some capacity, because that's like one of the biggest weapons of the anti-Israel um, community. And I know that a lot of our listeners are uh, pro-Israel openly on social media platforms. Um, but being called a racist and a hater, I, I went up against, uh, not went up, but I kind of had an interaction with the head of B'Tselem in the United States yesterday. No, um, no the former, if not now. She, she helped create If Not Now. Now she's the director of B'Tselem USA. You know, Mitzvah. Simone Zimmerman, mitzvah, you know? right? A nice Jewish girl. <laughs> and she, and she uh, we were talking about the vaccine, right? And it turns out that Israel yesterday or the day before started vaccinating foreign nationals, um, asylum seekers, foreign workers um, in Tel Aviv. They started to va- and all you had to do was bring a passport and a visa. And they didn't like ask you questions about like, where are you or any. They're not there to like pick you up and take you out or, or if you're like illegal, they're just vaccinating. So I put it up on Twitter and I asked, uh, I tagged Simone, I tagged Ariel Gold and I tagged, who else did I tag? Uh, I can't remember at the moment suddenly. I can't remember at the moment suddenly who the other person is that I tagged. Um, and I'm like, I would be very interested in your comments on this, right? 
So Simone Zimmerman got uh, t- com- uh, replied that, you know, this is only because of the pressure of human rights organizations and Israel, um, you know, wouldn't do this independently. And, you know, the, I, I know so I can't remember exactly the wording, but something about like, these are the same people that you call a cancer. And I'm like, I have never called any of these. I've never called a person a cancer. I don't call people cancer. That's disgusting. And she's and and these are the kind of people that you know you you think are subhuman. I'm like subhuman. I don't think anyone is subhuman. How could you say such a thing about me? I have my opinions about who's right and wrong on the Israel issue. And I, do I think that a terrorist person is equal to me? I don't think a terrorist person is equal to me, but I don't think they're subhuman, right? And so like, I was. Uh, and these are like the this is the kind of rhetoric that people like that like they'll just like they'll just like casually like spew it out you know here and there they'll they'll call you this they'll call you that and they'll just like they're they're completely shameless to just like slander you to high heaven and uh it's a it's a crazy phenomenon so i think that a lot of people have come to kind of know what it means to be called like the worst names in the world yeah uh, th- and that's that's part of our that's part of the narrative war. That's part that's part of the narrative war. H- sadly, I think that there's Jewish bigotry against Jews of Judea. I think that there's something that that has become well. Formulated. There's a divide. I wouldn't call it Jewish bigotry. I would say some Jews are bigoted against Jews in Judea. I wouldn't say it's a Jewish bigotry. I okay. think it's it's the part of them that's not so good. Okay, fair Jewish. enough. We have uh, uh, Brigitte von Lem says thank you so much. Greetings from Germany. And Michelin says, Biafra is located in West Africa. The forgotten Jews. Hmm. We share the same culture with Jews. Everything Israel possesses, we do. We believe our great father is God. Ah, G-A-D. like from the, from the tribe of God. All right. I'm going to look. That's really cool. We I'm should look gonna, into that. Uh, Michelin, you can Thank definitely you uh, send me an email to yishaiyishaifleischer.com, and I would love to hear more about uh, this story, I don't know much about it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing cool about it. That? I could also ask, of course, Rabbi Shimshon Nadel, who's a great expert right. at, uh, at uh, going out to, to places like Africa. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, but I don't know much about it, and I, I don't want everybody to get upset. I just I want, just want to learn about it. You, Malka, also yes. faced uh, you faced off with uh, Ariel Gold. Yes, I had an exciting uh, debate. I, right. So I had a debate. This was already a couple, uh, three weeks ago, maybe maybe going on four weeks ago. Uh, I had a debate with Ariel Gold, um, who is one of the leaders of an organization in America called Code Pink. And she is a very um, outspoken anti-Israel activist on Twitter, especially. Um, and she did a debate with Hen Mazig on on uh, this program called The Great Debate. And she makes the news periodically. So she's definitely a figure. And um, she told the the. Um, organizer of the great debate Adar Weinreb that she would like to debate me so that was exciting and scary and I, the truth is that I never really did a public debate before I mean mm-hmm. here I am on the radio with you guys and I love doing the radio and that is public speaking but it's not the same as debating and so that was like whoa and I really prepared myself and I did a debate and it turned out that that a lot of people who watched it were really happy. I also got some good constructive criticism for next time from some people, which I always really appreciate. But a lot of people really liked the debate and they, they felt empowered by it and they felt like they got information from it. Um, and that was so cool. And I thought that was over. 
But then an incredible organization that I so, if you don't know who they are, then I really recommend that you go onto Facebook and Twitter and find them. It's called Israel Advocacy Movement, Israel Advocacy Movement, based out of England. Um, and an activist, uh, who, the activist who runs it is named Joseph Cohen. And he watched the debate, too. And he took a clip from the debate that he particularly liked and he edited it and like made it funnier also. And he um, put it up as a two minute clip. Right. The two minute clip was specifically of you calling Ariel Gold a type of um, colonialist herself saying you're coming from the outside. You really don't know what's going on here. I call that the Karen. Uh, I use that word. You don't like that word so much. I, I like that, but it's basically. I feel bad. I know a lot of nice people named Karen. That's true. I do also. And I, I hate that their name has been co-opted this way. That's right. Uh, but but the point is, is that you you ripped her for for coming from the outside and for for being this kind of like missionary who's like, right. I know what's good for you. Right. I'm, I'm going to come teach you how to live from Ithaca, New York. Right. I'm going to come and tell come you. Teach you how to run your country. Right. And that was very powerful. That was a right. very powerful uh, modality of uh, attack. Right. So. So he put this thing out and like, whoosh, it's the first thing that I ever did that really became viral on social media. I got like 400 new Twitter followers. If you're not my friend on Twitter, please come join me. Be my friend on Twitter. Twitter, Not as much on Facebook, interestingly, but a lot on Twitter. Um, it just like exploded. And and according to Joseph, the, the clip that he made got like 35,000 views something like that, like some huge number. Um, and it was, it was really, it, first of all, it felt really good. I'll be honest with you. It felt really good to have done something right. <laughs> all right. It felt really good to have done something that spoke to people that made people feel empowered that, you know, I was so nervous going into this debate, honestly, as much as I've spent years and years defending the case for Israel. Um, Ariel Gold, she is a figure, right? She's not a nobody. And even though I don't think she did so well in the debate, perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, um, nonetheless, she's like a person that people know who she is. A, a self-identified anti-Zionist, right. a so, self-identified so, Jewish anti-Zionist. Right. So, so debating her was like I took it very seriously and I, and I prepared, I read and I prepared and I talked to people and I went over notes, I printed things out, I went through the internet, I, I went through her Twitter and her Facebook so it felt really good to like get a win for me. You know what I'm saying? It felt good to get a win just for a little old maca. But it also felt incredible. You know, I know that that so many of us out there, like we just wanna we just wanna like make our little little mark for the side of good, you know? And we right. wanna like push Hashem's message just a little bit and just get to be for one second the person who like gets a victory for for Hashem, for the Jews, for Israel, for the mm. message. Uh, of our people and for the message of truth and and i got like a minute to do that that's right you know and um i feel very grateful for that and i i i hope i get more chances all right so i want everybody to please check out uh, if you get a chance go to malka's twitter page that's malka fleischer with an h and the video is pinned up i'm guessing uh no (laughs) 
I should put it up. That uh, is a good idea. I would pin that mock yeah, up okay, ASAP. Yeah, okay. I will okay? do that. Yes, it's, I'll it's also on my right. on my page as well. Uh, speaking of Joseph Cohen, who made that video, uh, ben, Bensi, uh, Benji Zion says Joseph Cohen and I have done some work with African Jewish communities, nice. specifically in Uganda. For anybody who wants to learn about them, please find me at Benji Zion on Twitter. So absolutely, nice. Benji, great job. I also uh, my my man Moshe Herman, who's here. My man, Moshe Herman, who is a co-producer of this show and has two beautiful uh, twins. God bless you, Moshe. We love you so much. Uh, he writes uh, that background, though, and the f- folks that are listening on, uh, on podcast do not see the background. The background is a beautiful picture. Uh, of Moses giving facing the the crowd the throng of the Jewish people out in Sinai and bringing them the Torah but you know as I'm looking yeah hold on Mox hold on this picture was sent to me by uh, Johnny Lapidus Lapidot Lapidus um, from um, from England wow Uh, and it is made by his great friend guru spiritual guide guitar teacher wow. and all-around amazing dude jeff levy Ooh. from his humble abode in manchester uk he's the Beautiful. artist of this and he sent me other pictures as well so i just i just wow, want to nice. say so that's um, our background that's our background for today and i really love johnny Maybe we'll sends use me some of his other backgrounds in the in the future but i wanted to make a funny comment and just say that if you're watching um it looks like we are facing away from moses and sitting at a like a commentator's type table I feel like a sportscaster at the Moshe giving the Torah at Sinai experience. Like, there he goes. Yeah, and that's right. And, and that's he's, right. He's walking. He's he's got the two tablets, and he's about to bring them down. Can, you know, is, Moshe is his hand blocking one of the words <laughs> on the tablet. Can you see it all? A little background on Moshe. Yeah. He uh, was recruited, and Moshe's going for birdie. Okay. <laughs> And Allison Farsi says that Malka was a very impressive Thank debate. Thank you so much. And so does Catherine. She says, I watched it. You're very good at debate, Malka. You stick to the facts. Your, your tone of voice remains measured and invaluable skill gift in discussing ideas. Thank you. Uh, that's right. I and had to tell myself to do that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you can get riled up. Yeah, you know, right. these are issues we really care about. For some people, it's like a, uh, you know, a philosophical discussion about what's right and wrong. And for some people, it's like a life and death, real, like, skin in the game thing. And so, you That's know, right. when you're, when you take it extremely personally, when it's very, very personal, you can take it personally. And uh, so you got to maintain. You maintain, got to maintain. Now, Malka, uh, I, I want to say a few things. First thing, we had a type of bar or bat mitzvah in our household. We had a very big simcha. Our daughter got a smartphone. Oh. Mazal tov. Mazal yes. tov with a smartphone. That was a, dis- that was a whole the, that decision. Was a thing. That's right. And I'm very proud of her because um, she made it. We Well, we all made the decision together, but she also really made the decision that she's just going to use her phone for phone, for camera, for WhatsApp, so right. that she can keep up with some school stuff and schmooze with her friends. Let's just right. be real. And she's very interested in like video editing. That's right. That's which right. we hope to exploit. I mean, <laughs> enjoy watching. It's something we like to call child labor. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we're hoping that she that she gets we're, up on that. We're very happy for her. She's very excited. Yes, but we still should get that that parenting app that somebody showed us. Ooh, Boomerang, yes, where you that? can like watch everything they do. But also, but it also helps you know where they are right. and all these things. Track if you the have, phone. If you have any recommendations on that and how to parent? Yes, parenting the modern, on the on the in, smartphone. Yeah, parenting in, in the modern smartphone. 
smartphone thing. Uh, that would be that would be amazing. Right. She's not even gonna. She told me she's not even gonna use YouTube. She's right. not gonna use any uh, other apps. No games. We'll see. She wants we'll see. to be responsible. We'll with her see. Phone. We'll, we're definitely gonna help her uh, be responsible, and and ourselves all still have to be responsible. My biggest uh, uh, sin on the phone is just just sometimes like addiction to right, I don't being know, on it. To, to being on it. Right. Um, um, all these things take energy, and we have a new sponsor, Malcolm. Very Ooh. excited about our new sponsor. And this one, this is the first sponsor that is not an Israel-based sponsor. Ooh. All my other sponsors Isha, are Israel-based. You're going based. international. I'm going international here, but this one has an international message or an international appeal, and it's it's about energy. It's called Energy CX is our new sponsor. They help businesses meet, that's a B2B, they help businesses meet their energy needs and sustainability goals in all of the 50 states of the United wow. States. In synagogues, in school, in businesses, in retail, in industrial. If you flip a light switch, uh, Energy CX can help you with a new form of kosher energy. Okay? okay. Kosher energy. Whether you simply want to pay a lower electric or gas bill or use less energy through conservation methods with innovative technologies like LED lights or smart nice. thermostats, Energy C- uh, CX has got you covered. Check them out and any on any of the social media platforms and their very good website, which I visited, energycx.com. Just that simple. Yeah. And tell them Yishai sent you and get a high Ooh, percent discount. That's a 18%, discount. 18% discount. So, I mean, it sounds to me like... You know, so many people like to make the energy thing like a political thing, but I say, don't you want to spend less on your energy bill? Right. There's always some kind of cool tweaks that you can do to your situation to save some energy. Why not? Mm-hmm. And in this case, you get such uh, the 18 percent discount is a pretty fat discount. And they really help you. They really help you maximize your energy. And they're working with. And it's with, a Jewish business. It's a Jewish which business, which is very nice. And uh, and 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 whatever you're doing, you're just going to save money and do better for the world by keeping it a little cleaner. And environmentalism is not a left uh, right. leaning uh, uh, a position. It's not. We're all, we're all into keeping right. the earth. We clean. recycle in this house. Absolutely. We, there's nothing wrong with keeping our. We beautiful have LED lights. Clean. Right. We have, of course, of course, of course. Uh, so check out Energy CX. I'm very proud of the fact that they're uh, sponsoring the show. They love to listen. Uh, my man, Mark, uh, Mark Rice, loves to listen, and he's the head of this company. Uh, and he asked me to, to, to be part of the, the program, and I said, this, this sounds like a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, we got to have, uh, or, or we got to be Orla Goyim, ah, a light nice, to the nations. Nice, nice. An LED light. Right, that's, that's right. To the right. G-O-D lights, a little G-O-D yeah. lights, okay? Um, and also, interestingly enough, Energy CX is also hiring right now. Ooh, so uh, we're your one-stop shop for everything right now. That's we can right. get you a good price on your electric bill and a new job. That's right. So who couldn't use some extra shekels in these crazy COVID <laughs> times? So check out Energy CX. And Wait, what are they hiring for? Um, um, uh, helping. Uh, oops, somebody's trying to call through right now. We're doing a show. Um <laughs> They're hiring to join their army, right? Of helping customers save money, basically. Oh, great! So there's lots of great jobs there. It looks like they're expanding. That's right. Good company. And also, uh, speaking of, uh, uh, first thing, there's somebody that's that's uh, saying shalom from Texas. Shalom, Ariella. Ariella is from Texas, Malka, and so. Texans Howdy. make make great settlers, that's and right. uh, that's that's one of my lines. Texans make great settlers, and that's why I married uh, Malka, a Texan. And I also wanted to, you know, get uh, uh, an honorary Texan 
right. citizenship, and that's really why I married her. Unlimited chili also. <laughs> you do it's make great chili, Monica. Thank you. you. Speaking of making great chili, our friends at Prohibition Pickle make great meats, Ooh. great pickles, great herring, all the stuff that goes well with, with whiskey or vodka, depending on your thing. And, and they have m- such an incredible little store in Gush Etzion here right. in Judea. That's right. So check out Prohibition Pickle, and uh, they're a sponsor of, uh, of, of this show. They and make liver. Yeah, and, and you like a little chopped liver with your kiddish. And I had some fantastic salami from my man Chaim, who who really made it happen. So order for yourself here in the land of Israel, or for somebody here in the land of Israel. They are not yet uh, in uh, international, especially right. in COVID times. But but you know you want to support somebody out here that you can't get out here to see. Somebody's in B dude. You want to send them a little nosh. That's right. You know, something to perk them up a little bit. Right. And if you want to be like Moses back there behind <laughs> us, or if you want to have this this glowing countenance, okay, uh, then check out our friends at uh, Salves of Jerusalem. Yes. Salves of Jerusalem. They will salve you up, okay? You will, you will have salvation. Oh, <laughs> out of Jerusalem. Salvation, salvation out of Jerusalem. I oh like that. Oh, my gosh. I made that We're up brilliant. just now. Amazing. How did you say the word weir? I, I thought I made that. No, no, no. It's weir, Mark. It's weir. I, I would be nowhere without you. Believe me. I'd be, I'd be in a trash heap in New York City. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, so that's, that's some of the stuff that's happening here. Anything else, Wait, Marco? I think you get a discount if, uh, if you mention us. 10% discount. Of course, of course, of yeah. course. And um, I, they have a really cute Instagram account. You can see them like filling up their little tins with their beautiful little elixir of life. That's right. And if you need a little... Uh, so that's, that's Salves of Jerusalem. Yes. SalvesofJerusalem.com. Coupon code Yishai. Bang. You're going to be so happy. You're going to get 10% off. And also if you need some beautiful beard balm. Beardification. If you need, if you need to be... If you need to be if you need endearment, okay, it will bring you a lot of endearment uh, from your significant other. If you're, if you want some uh, non-toxic, organic masculinity from <laughs> Judea, <laughs> you like the one? That was a good one. Yeah, I non- didn't expect that. Yeah, non-toxic, organic masculinity from Judea. Uh, go to <laughs> <laughs> go go to Aleph Mail, AlephMail dot com, like Alpha Male, but Aleph Male. It's cool. And, uh, and type in coupon code Yishai. Also, you get t- Yishai 10 and you get 10% off over there. And I think, I think let's just mention very quickly one of the great sponsors of the show is the Land of Israel Network. Many great programs here. Uh, my man Ben Bresky does great editing and Tabitha and Moshe gets it out to the world. Tabitha gets it out to the world. Um, my, my woman, not my like woman, woman, but like my, my man Our type. Girl. My, yeah. Big girl. That That's right. And she, she girds and makes it happen. Okay. Uh, and that's Yochevet and all the good folks that make the show happen around the world. Thank you so much. And, uh, and so that's the Land of Israel Network. That's all the folks that make the show happen. And Hebron, Hebron Jewish Community, is found at HebronFund.org. Keep the mamas and papas safe. Keep them strong. Keep their message loud and clear. Uh, by supporting the Jewish community of Hebron, which protects the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs, the mamas and the papas, uh, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah, the founders of it all. Let's not forget Rachel's over here in Bethlehem, but still uh, the the tomb of the fathers and mothers in Hebron, hebronfund.org. And speaking of the mamas and the papas, they walk their life serving the God of Israel, and we have the great merit to try to broadcast, try to broadcast in our small way, his Massive, huge message 
which is uh, almost beyond the scope of, of being able to speak about it. Uh, but this show tries to just a little bit uh, send out the signal uh, of God's great word, uh, which is which is being heard today through the advent of the Jewish people's return to the land of Israel and the Torah that is coming forth from Zion. Zion. So I, I think you're rocking it, Yishai. I, I, I don't know if I'm rocking it, but I, I, I thank Hashem for the schut. Or if we're if we're if we're Syrian, that's why we say zehut. Okay, the zehut. Okay, you got to have the zehut. You got to have the merit. Yes. You got to have the merit, like my man Jack and my good friends, uh, uh, my 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 Syrian community friends that also helped the show happen. They talk about the zehut, the zehut. They're always talking about the zehut, having the merit. Those are very spiritually tuned in people. Uh, they're some of my really favorite people. They're spiritually tuned in and they support me, but they also have taught me so, uh, of so course. much, they're incredible. so much. Uh, one of the, one of the greatest things that happened to me is that I, I met the Syrian Jewish community. That's that's one of my I favorite. I wish we could, th- I wish we could like get closer to them. It's, it's one, of, it's one of the things that is really, uh, they're very special, very strong, a, a great gift. And that's it. So thank you, Hashem. That's the, the that I get the chance to say that. Thank you, Hashem, Hashem, for being the great sponsor uh, of this show and the sponsor of our lives, all of our lives. Uh, and if you're listening on podcast, stay tuned to Rav Mike Foyer uh, and myself covering uh, the Torah portion of Mishpatim, or you can just go uh, below uh, in YouTube and Facebook and Twitter uh, and check out that broadcast as well. So that's it, folks. Shabbat Shalom and God bless from the land of blessings. Shabbat Shalom, you guys. Only good news. Only good health. Amen. Thanks, Maka. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. And shalom to Rav Mike Foyer. Rav Mike, shalom, and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, shalom, Ishai. It's good to be with you here at the top of Mount Sinai. That's right. The top of Mount Sinai it is because we're going to be dealing with uh, the Torah portion of Mishpatim. And it's it's an awesome, awesome Torah, por- Torah portion. It's one of the few Torah portions where it's like... Like like a like a like a I like when they say decalogue. I know it's only about ten, but I like that. <laughs> but it's a log. It's not just a decalogue. It's a it's a mini log of uh, of um, of laws of Jewish laws. Um, and 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 actually, I would say that it's really um, the basis of morality in many ways. These laws. I'll, and I'll I'll just give one example. The distinction between murder and uh, manslaughter, which is found in this week's Torah portion, is a huge one is a huge one to not be able to distinguish uh to basically go into the mind of the perpetrator and say hey this guy that, that that drove this car and looked down at his radio he didn't mean to kill or murder he killed and he and he's negligent but the difference between negligent homicide i.e manslaughter and, and murder is is a huge one and to be able to make that distinction uh is really i think the basis of of actually judgment and morality so that's what this torah portion is really about at least the first parts of it Yeah, I mean, oftentimes it's in the fine distinctions, and not just in the fine distinctions of action, but in the frames in which we understand them. I mean, the Ten Commandments, as often people often say, thou shalt not kill. It's it's, it's incorrect, right? The Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not murder. And murder is the same act of taking a life. It's just within a context of values and larger social structures that looks very different. And that's absolutely the, the origins of morality for us and, and really for a large part of the Western world. So, so just, just before we get to the stuff of this week's Torah portion, and there's a lot, and I've, I've worked hard to kind of try to mark up what we should talk about. 
because uh, there's much more than we're going to be able to talk about. Um, I just want to say that th- there's a verse that we say in the Psalms, which is, uh, which means like, <laughs> blessed be he, or, or, or praiseworthy be he, who grabs your, this, youngin. in this case, yeah, Edom's or Rome's uh, youngin, and smashes it on the stone. And that's a very, let's just say it's it's one of the least politically correct statements in the But whole very Bible. biblical. Quite biblical, that's right. But I actually have an explanation of this phrase for modern times, which I think is very suitable. The word olalaych means young ones, nursing, nursing children. But it also comes from the word alila, which means narrative, the tale. Yeah. And, yeah. and praise calls an effect he, aspect of narrative in particular. Okay, okay. So, so praiseworthy is he who takes your narratives and smashes them on the stone. I'm talking about uh, the ICC deciding that's going to uh, have jurisdiction over Israel and Judea and Samaria and, and now investigate Israel for war crimes. Uh, I'm talking about uh, the big problems that the Jewish community of Hebron is having right now on Wikipedia. Listen to this, Mike Foyer. Listen to this, Rav Mike. I'm listening. This guy calls us and he's like, you guys have to get into Wikipedia. He goes, you've heard of fake news? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, Wikipedia is fake truth. Mm. I was like, oh, dang. And we are having a a, a heck of a time because truth is being voted on. And if there's more people on the side of the other truth, you're voted out. It reminds me of the UN a little bit. Well, uh, well, but I was actually going to say there's a very important parallel there. Which is we could call it consensus reality. Consensus you know, cons- reality. Mm-hmm. It's consensus reality. It's like well, we all just agree that this is what is, and then that uh, we'll operate on that. And it's not just like because the problem with like fake truth is it sounds like you're speaking of something which is floating up in the air, like discourse. No consensus reality. People act upon. Mm-hmm. And and as much as I rolled my eyes with your with your noting of the ICC, which I think just think is a ridiculous institution to begin with. Um, there are potential real consequences if the world decides to get behind an institution like that because right. they create a consensus reality in the same way. People look at that Wikipedia page, you could say, what do I care what it says about Wikipedia? We're living on the ground. We have real homes. We have real people. The answer is, well, but if enough people read that and it guides their actions and decision-making, it's a consensus reality. Yes, uh, 100%. And this is this is now one of the main um, battlegrounds, this reality, truth, uh, perception. It's really one of the main main battlegrounds. And, and, and what's interesting about the guy that said this to me, he said to me, it's not only about the now. What goes on Wikipedia and sticks is about what's going to be perceived on later. Oh, yes. Say, right, and that was, that was an interesting way to, to, to think about that, which is like this is not just a fight for – for, for the ground, holding on to the ground now. It's holding on to the intellectual ground and to the historical ground later down the line uh, and the way this whole generation is going to be perceived. And we're arguing about, you know, uh, you know street names. Shuhada Street versus King David Street. Yeah. Is it Martyr Street or is it King David Street? And by the way, both of these names came in the 70s, uh, the minute that the, the Jews... The heyday of martyrdom. Right. <laughs> Seriously? No, I'm seriously. not kidding. It yeah. was it was the it was the heyday of international terrorism. Right. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then I wouldn't doubt that Yasser Arafat himself gave uh, the street in, in in Hebron, which was by the way not a street 200 years ago. Uh, he gave it the street mart- uh, this name. 
But this whole narrative that's being weaved on the Hebrew Wikipedia page, mind you, uh, is one of uh, Israeli occupation and theft and, 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 and no, no mention of, of Israel's ancient, and all, ancient claim to Hebron and also its uh, pre-modern purchases of land and, and, and a, a community that has lived there almost in perpetuity for, for 3,800 years. Uh, perpetually for 3,800 years. So uh, that that is, we are, this, this what you call consensus reality or fake truth, uh, this is a battleground right now. I just want to uh, just point out, the, push on it for a second, because, you know, a lot of the work I do in the Jewish story is about telling a story of the past in order to impact present and future. What you have here is people who have already decided, they've made their analysis of the problems in the present and what they want their future to look back look like, and they're willing to re- negotiate or reinterpret or just lie about the past in order to get that you understand and right and and in in i wouldn't say in their defense but if we're one one were sort of um inclined to be charitable right what what they're saying is like well the, but the present is what really matters real people real actions etc so therefore if we can tell a story of the past that serves the present that that is morally legitimate and now part of me agrees you know the part we would point out is that this is always the downfall of the narrow-minded and the dictatorial. It's because they really think they understand, in an absolute sense, the present and future. And so, therefore, they, they try to construct a past which is useful. And in the end of the day, what you're pointing out is, is, that, is that, aside from the fact that we both believe that they're wrong, but the damage that they're doing is extensive. Let people know the reality and act upon it. Don't right. spoon feed them because you already know what you want them to do. Right. And, People and don't also, believe in freedom. And also you delegitimize the platform itself. You delegitimize the platform. Just like the media has, has allowed itself to become delegitimized. And by the way, politics as well. Politicians are always decrying the fact that the people don't trust them. But the Why would you? This, right, exactly. The, the courts... The media, the politics—they have all perjured uh, themselves. They have all uh, showed themselves to be. Oh my gosh! I, you know what? I mean, I just say to my wife every day when we're wondering whether our kids are going to go back to school or what's the next. I just say, and it's frustrating because, of course, the only reliable reality is the fact that it's unreliable. Right? That is the reality in which we're living right now, which is that you learn need to learn to adapt to the inconsistent. Right? Um, and I just have taken to saying, well, let's just wait until our political masters have decided what our fate will be, and then they'll let us know. Right. Well, or, or, or how about this fact that, that you have to tell your children, don't trust this stuff. Like one of the, one of the main things today is you watch the news with, the, with your kids and you're like, this is how you should trust this. This is how you should trust this. This guy's not trustworthy because of this. Uh, this channel's not trustworthy because of this. Uh, this court is not trustworthy. <sighs> Be careful with that. Uh, and, and you basically teach your children that it's a world of distrust. You, you almost have to in order for them to be able to filter through uh, the systems that that try to control you, and by the way, that's also the social media platforms themselves. That that their main interest is to get us hooked on them on 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 their screen. yeah, their businesses, their businesses, right? Well, you know, but there's wait, wait, but there's business on this business. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, there's a great dry cleaning laundry service called Zohar Dry Cleaning Laundry Service in in uh, in Kikar Davidka in the Davidka Square in Jerusalem. They're not trying to keep you in the door the whole time. They want to. No, they're they trying to keep your business. Yeah, but so that you give them the laundry and then they get, you get it back. But my point cool. when I, I when I, my point when I said that is, is that people have an illusion that social media is somehow an altruistic means. Right. It's a form of communication there to serve human freedom and et cetera, et cetera. Okay, maybe, but bottom line, it's a business. It's a 
for-profit function, as is every newspaper you read, as is every you know uh, news media outlet you watch on television, etc. And you can never lose sight of that. Sure, but 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 to to understand that they're that the, the, because they're much more like drug dealers, in the sense that's that also they, business. Right, right, and that that kind of business, like they need you addicted, not just as a customer, like coming back to the dry cleaning. They're, you know what I mean? I it's don't just think a difference dry, in business model. It's just different in business but, model. But that different, but that difference is a big difference. There's a big difference there. Okay, there's a big difference in in trying to keep somebody sucked into something for a long time, or giving somebody somebody their clean laundry back. I don't think the guy at the laundry mat is like praying at night that you spill. Uh, something a, a soup on your shirt. I don't think the guy's like. I I pray to you, God, that 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 there's more dirty laundry tomorrow. No, he says this is part of the world is dirty laundry. That these guys they well, pray, that's true, <laughs> right? But they pray like I want these guys to be. They work on. Imagine if the laundry guy was also the same guy who made um, cups that made more spills. Right, the bottom of a Chinese takeout. Right. Right, boxes right. and it just like automatically would collapse as soon as you picked them up from the store. Yeah, I get it. Oh, look at yeah. that! Gosh, look oh, at that! Oh, yeah. what a coincidence that I'm getting <laughs> you know, a 120 percent increase in stained shirts. Right, with exactly. oil. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I think we understood each other. Very right. good. All right, fair uh, I just I do want to wait. Sound one more note in what you said, which is go that ahead, you know teaching one's children to be skeptical of structures of power may feel mm. painful, but it's important to note that that has been the role of. Um, marginalized and oppressed peoples both throughout history mm-hmm. and in the current day. You could go take a poll of the average African-American and what they teach their children about police as opposed to what, say, I was taught about police growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, Or here in our locality, you ask the average Palestinian, not jihadist, just talking about guy on the street who's just trying to make a living, what he teaches his kids about the army and what we teach ours. And, and without weighing in on the right, wrong, etc., we as Jews have a rich history of knowing that law is something to be circumvented at best <laughs> and avoided at all costs, right? And one of the challenges that we hold in our present manifestation is how do we keep that wisdom of understanding that that power is meant to be in the service of people and not a tool for their suppression, and yet still maintain a literal political and geographic base from which to teach that. You understand? We have to be both the powerful and the, and and this is something we have not we have not done particularly well, I, well with. I, I I love what you said. I love what you said. I just would add just that one little layer, which is I think you were saying it, but just to make it clear, which is that distrust power, but you're the power. Like it's our state, right? Yeah. And and, and I because too much I, distrust power just empowers the dictators. Right. Right. And and it, and it doesn't create a system which we want, which is oh, which no. is a, we want our state to assert power. Uh, but at the same time, I understand the Haredi uh, ultra-Orthodox outlook today. I understand, I understand. I actually think that there's a certain health in it because there's actually has to, you have to give back to the state a sense like you are, we are not in your pocket. We are not uh, little, you know, uh, communist serfs. Uh, we, 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 we have a voice. Um, and, <laughs> just, call, and they, just call me a communist serf? Yeah, a serf <laughs> of, of the communist. Okay. Um, let's, go, let's keep going for a second. I just want to say. Communist serf is what happened in Odessa. In the mid 20th century, right? On the Black Seas. Exactly. Uh, Says uh, Johan Bilo George, he says, Rabbi Ishai and Rav Mike Baruch Hashem, live from Oman. Okay, I love it. We have friends in Oman. And and I just want to say one tiny caveat, which is Abraham Accords, we got to keep pushing that despite any other forces right now that are going to try to torpedo that. Because of those forces, because because it's not just some small little like. uh, uh, alliance of convenience, which it also, of course, has that aspect, but it's also a, pot- a potential model for re-understanding the Middle East. 
I think I read a big article about about the Iranian lobby. I mean, the Iranian regime's lobby in Washington. It's very uh-huh. powerful. It's a very powerful multi-million dollar lobby that's working in D.C. Speaking of reality. Uh, they should get together with the Jews. They could run the country. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, the truth is that the Jews are together with the anti-Iranian lobby, which is the whole Los Angeles, uh, Teherangelis. Uh, right, right, uh, right. The, the Persian ex- Jews. Right, and, who, who know, know a little bit more about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know a little bit more about it. There's like a million yeah, Persians yeah, yeah. living in, in Iran. Um, Luis says, Shalom, gentlemen. Our good friend uh, Mark Pickles says, Bokertov from beautiful England, of course. We love we love the good side of the UK. UK, a, a country. I, w- I wish you would do a podcast one time on your show, The Jewish Story, which you would explain the kind of duality that the UK has, like a deep Zionism where Protestant Zionism, uh, what, what do they call it? Restorationism comes from? And then the other side, which is like a deep anti-Semitism and wanting to kind of like suppress the Jews and keep them down or evict the Jews from England. Like that, that, that duality of like being like, like there's no country that has such a duality of, of has such a distinction of being the people that helped start the Jewish state. And then the ones that stopped Jews from coming uh, home from the, ho- from, from, from Europe <laughs> before yeah. the holocaust it's like it's yeah. like they have such a deep duality i see it all the time uh so but mark uh, mark uh, falls on one clear side of that um and then we have we have shalom from cyprus i do not read the uh, the uh, the greek alphabet it's not even like the it's similar more to the russian alphabet but i don't, I don't read cyrillic right is that what's called cyrillic is that the right no word? cyrillic is the russian alphabet so what is this one called the greek one i don't know okay dare i say it's greek to me yeah. <laughs> oh, it had to be said. I'm sorry. Just let it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he- here's a very interesting comment from Luis. She says, losing control of our narrative and public opinion has been our problem before. Does the Israeli government have a bureau who fights propaganda so that there's organized cohesive response and strategy? <laughs> Do you know any Jews? <laughs> organized I, I, cohesive strategy? <laughs> that the, picture behind you is the last time we were organizing cohesive. <laughs> and that's only because God in God's own glory had to be there to make it happen. And even then, all it took was Moshe to turn his back for 40 days and we were dancing around the Golden That's Cap. Right. We'll get to that in, in, in two <laughs> portions, two or three portions. I, I, I actually want to just answer Luis one thing, which is, truth is, government doesn't do a good job of this. The private sector is better at answering anti-Israelism than, than uh, and certainly our foreign ministry is considered one of the weakest ministries in Israel. Although yeah. whose responsibility that is is an open question. True, true, true what you're saying. And, and we're not going to get into that. That's inside baseball. But I know what you're talking about exactly. Uh, but I can tell you that when I go to the foreign ministry, you know what? There's a lot of good people working at the foreign ministry. There's a lot of good people. A lot that, of, was not a, that was not a yeah. pot shot at the foreign ministry. From by right, me. right. I, I, I know what you were talking about. I, I just want to say there's some great folks, including some great Arabs, pro-Israel Arabs who work at the foreign ministry. But still, it's, it's the private... Uh, uh, the private sector that's going to do the best job, including uh, if you've seen Malka's uh, uh, great response, uh, little video, Malka's response to uh, Ariel Gold. I heard she uh, trounced her. Yeah, but did you see the short two-minute clip of it? No, nah, nah, I, I, I actually, for all the time I spend producing media, I consume very little of it. Right. Well, go to my Twitter feed and you'll see. It's it's worth a two. I promise you when I say it's worth a two-minute gander. Maybe for Malka, I'll do it. Yeah, from I'm telling you, it's a it's a... It's a it's a uh, it's a high level like women battle. Okay, it's yeah. it's, it's roller derby of. I heard she thrashed her. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, let's get to let's get to this Torah portion. Before Please. before I started the show, I talked about that that it's Pharisaic, not parasitic. I, I, I saw you made a little. Right, those two words should, considering the history of anti-Semitism, probably not be used together, well, right, even in jest. Even in jest, <laughs> you might be right. Uh, but I, but the re, but there is a reason I'm making the joke. It's because when I found out that some of the Christian world has got a problem with the law that that is that the Jewish people are too legalistic. That's a term. That was when the origins of Christianity. Right. I, I thought to <laughs> I mean, myself. I honestly, and I say this with with love and respect. I thought to myself, that is so dumb. That's what I thought to myself. I, and I, I'm I'm just telling you the truth of what happened. I just thought to myself, wow, you don't understand the power of law. And that and that God's law goes down to the nitty gritty. Uh, uh, boy, did you like lose out by turning it into just like a, a religion of, of love, but no no stuff of life. Like wow, like that that is a loss for you. Like if, uh, at least in Islam, I've I've got a friend, Professor Zev again, who compared the the the, the Jewish laws to to Islamic laws, and it's like there's something there to live by. Oh yeah, this jurisprudence, the Islamic, the Islamic approach is far closer to the right. Torah than. Listen, but you have to you have to identify a deeper issue there, which is Go that ahead. historically speaking, Christianity began as essentially a messianic end of days movement within mm. rabbinic Judaism, mm -hmm. and and it wasn't just a rejection of law; it was a rejection of this world, mm. that this world was over. And it was, and it was, and that there was something new coming. Now, if they had been right, so they would have gambled and won. But as it turns out, the world did not disappear. Nor do we theologically believe it was a mistake or a doomed entity. And so, what happened to Christian culture is it was forced to adopt Greco-Roman law. Mm. Don't miss that. And people often say that the Roman Empire adopted Christianity. It's a phrase you hear. It's actually, in my humble opinion, a misnomer. Christianity adopted the Roman Empire. Ideas control bodies, not vice versa. Right? Obviously, there's an interplay. But, but um, the, the Greco-Roman law and the values embedded in it often work at direct odds with the core values that Christianity inherited from Torah. And it leads to many difficult and sometimes fruitful, but mostly difficult cross-currents in the history of the development of particularly sort of patristic, you know, like early um, post-apostolic, post oh, post uh, I can't even say it. You're an apostle, it's apostolistic. I can't say it, whatever. Patristic Christianity. <laughs> you know, like there's a lot to be said there, but that, that world rejecting element. I mean, law ultimately in Torah is rooted in the fact that we believe that the world matters. It matters mm -hmm. what shoe you put on, it matters what you put in your mouth, it matters how you sleep with your spouse, you know, it, fill in the blank. And that's not to say that there aren't also sort of the, the, the overarching moral, ethical, spiritual themes, God forbid. But the two are not not divorced from one another. Right, and and that's you said it so well, and the the magic word in the magic letter in this week's Ooh. Torah portion is ve, veele, and yeah. these are the, the the statutes. These are the laws. And Rashi stops her, and he's like, "That ve is very important." Just like you heard the Ten Commandments, just like Moses went up to, to Sinai and got 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 you know was close to God and 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 was kind of right there and was a miraculous event. And this is the nitty gritty. Of how to live life. It's called right? What's that? Meaning it's a, right. it's, a, it's it's the it's the connector that comes to tell you I haven't discarded the first and replaced it with the second, but rather the second is is intrinsically connected to the first. Right. So Rashi says, "Ma Misinai Af Elo Misinai." 
right? The, just like the first things you heard, the Ten Commandments were from Sinai, so these nitty-gritty laws uh, are from Sinai. Uh, and the other, the other meaning of that, well, well I'm not going to go for it. I have to choose today. We have so much to talk about. We got so, so much. All right, move on. I won't comment. All right, so let's look for a little star where I put down a, a, a star here. Um, and, and yeah, I have to uh, I've really, I'm telling you, there's so much info. I'm telling this to the listeners now that I re- we have to really decide what to pick out and talk about today. Uh, I'm let's following your do, lead, man. Let's, let's touch about this for a second. Uh, a slave. You, you own a slave. Uh, it's time for him. And now this slave got sold to you because he either was destitute and wanted to survive and live and, and thrive and have basically seven years of, um, of, of, of livelihood. It's and, indentured and, servitude. That's right. Uh, or he was caught in theft and could not pay it off. So that's another way of, of getting to indentured servitude. But that servitude, it's not a slave for life. It's a slave for a certain amount of time. It's time for that slave to go. Uh, but the slave says, you know what? I really, really like this life and I'm comfortable here and, 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 and I just, I'm, I'm satisfied here. I just don't need much more. The Torah says, well, you've got to actually put him, put him to the doorpost and put an awl through his ear. Uh, is that the word awl? Is that the right word? Yeah, correct. A-W-L. Uh, and Rashi says, uh, Rashi says that this is, this is a bad thing. This is, this is there to show you that um, uh, first thing, why was it done in the ear to make the sign? Uh, because Rabbi Yochanan ben Sakai says, because this, this ear must have heard, do not steal at Sinai, and it's still s- sold. Um, or that it, this ear did not hear that, that Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, are supposed to be servants to God and not to anybody else like in Egypt. But you notice that's Rabbi Shimon that said that. That's, uh, is that right? I think Rabbi Shimon says the second part, which is about yeah, the, the mezuzah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. The, the Rabbi anyway. Shimon says the second part, which is which is the uh, they're uh, my servants is, oh, and not servants to servants. Yeah, and and he reminds us that the, why at the doorpost specifically because the doorpost was that same doorpost that that the Jewish people had to mark in order to get freedom in Egypt. So we marked it publicly as a place of freedom, and you're choosing to be a slave. And 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 in a certain place, that's okay, right? You can choose that. There is a method for that. But it's not our favorite behavior in a way that the Torah says, remember, Jewish people, you're free. And if you choose to be slaves, you got to mark that because that's not really your way. You know, beyond the technics of the social institution of slavery and indentured servitude, which is complex, and it should be noted that that slavery, the evidivri, right, slavery within Am Yisrael, as opposed to classic ownership of other peoples outside of Israel, is a social institution. It's connected to the... Um, the um, restorative justice model of Torah, meaning there's a goal here of holding people up and reintegrating them in the social fabric. Beyond that, it's important to note that that what the Torah is addressing here is one of the basic human dilemmas, which is that we both want and fear freedom. And 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 when we find freedom, we often run as fast away from it as we can. Right. Right. And we've spoken about this before, and I've recommended to the listeners that they read Eric Fromm's book, The Escape from Freedom. Escape from but freedom. here the 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 here the Torah is just going much more I mean in the Torah's fashion much more visceral, which is that we're gonna nail you to the wall on this mm-hmm. one. You should know it's legit. You're afraid, and there are institutions out there to take care of you. But you should just know 
that you are making a fundamental mistake in human nature if you run from freedom. Right? You know, Rav Mike, um, you know, Rav Mike, one of the things that I've noticed um, that you really need to have intellectual honesty is courage. And oh. I, I, I actually mean like very real courage because the world really wants to shut you down and put you into a box a lot of times where you have to say uh, what's politically correct. Politically correct is a relatively new term, but it's an old term. It really means that there's social pressures on, on agreeing to and things. Speech. Right. And there's been sense many, is reality. There's been many scientific experiments on this. Uh, the famous one is they put people in a room, they show them a, a ruler that's a foot long, and they say, well, we have here, uh, you know, seven inches, uh, and, uh, and in the room are all a bunch of plants that are part of the experiment. They're like, yep, that's seven inches. And then there's the one guy who's being experimented on, and will he stand up and be like, uh, the what emperor has no clothes, or those are seven about, inches. Right. right, that's not a foot. And... Um, and and the experiments show that people basically sit tight and and think to themselves either i don't know or maybe i don't want to make a fool of myself or i certainly don't want to stand out uh one of the things that i've kind of like one time my boss called me into a meeting and i said to him why do you want me in this meeting and he says to me you know you say you're good at meetings because you ask questions that other people like don't want to ask and it's something that like you know i was like oh okay okay like i get that now like i basically you know it's something to develop inside of yourself this ability to be like i am not going to just succumb. go with the flow right i'm not going to go with the flow i'm not going to say the thing that that's supposed to be said that's it's something to be trained with but i think here uh, that's that's related to what you're talking about which is like freedom is scary having mm -hmm. the the freedom to say what you really think in front of in front of the room in front of the audience it's not always easy. Even this morning, I was thinking about should I mention something in this week's Torah portion? Will it be politically correct or not politically correct? I like I had that fun. I caught myself. Right. You know what I mean? And, and and we make that calculation sometimes reasonably, but sometimes out of fear. Yeah, no, I think it's important to note that freedom also comes with a tremendous responsibility. And so therefore, the flip side of what you're saying is, is that sometimes my calculus also needs to be if I ex exercise my freedom recklessly, who will be harmed? Meaning it's not just about social conformity and political correctness, etc. Sometimes it's also, wow, like I have a sword. I've been given a sword. And to swing it in defense of, of truth or real values is critical. But to just wave it around because I can is, is, is not an acceptable right. Right. You know, behavior right. Right. either. Right. But I, I, I think that that is, in today's society, more rare, that, that behavior, than oh, yeah. cowing a little bit. Okay, but Although I would point out what it's done is it's made people assassins as opposed to warriors. It's not like the vitriol and the and the and the anger and the, the so-called true speaking doesn't happen. One of the problems of social media as a platform is the anonymity it offers. You know, people often right. say, How could people really they look at talkbacks on anything? You know, you probably have gotten I can't even imagine the things that have been said to you, right? Um like it, so like people wouldn't say that to my face. Most of them wouldn't have the courage, like you pointed out. And that anonymity turns people from warriors into assassins. And that is not a positive development for society. Right. right. And, there, and, there's a, and there's also a culture of stinging. There's a culture of stinging. Okay, speaking of, of, of murder uh, of various sorts. Speaking uh, of assassination. Have, we're talking about the book of Exodus, Shemot, Chaf, Aleph, 21, verse uh, uh, 13. Um, a person who didn't hunt another person or didn't didn't wait to kill another person but it happened that God made him um, strike this other person in accident I'm going to put for you a place that a, that a accidental killer 
a, a manslaughter, a, a unintentional killer, uh, can can run to there. As opposed to the next verse, but when a person plans to murder his friend or, or his other, to kill him, in secrecy, you can even take him from my uh, te- from my temple, from my tabernacle, from my uh, altar. Altar itself. Gosh, that my- word is like a major block for you. I don't know why it's like an A. I try to remember. I look forward to the day when we can stand in the Mikdash and I'll point and say altar, 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 altar. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, but but this is an interesting thing. The the you could take a person from the altar, and that can be understood in two ways. Either even a Kohen before he starts his work, and you found out that he's a murderer, you could take him from there. Or right. if a person is actually holding on to the to altar, the horns like of the a, altar, right? To, like a safe space. And I think we had the case of Yoav, right? Joab, yes. uh, who was holding on to the to the horns of the altar. He can be taken from there. Uh, in any case, uh, the, the bottom line, Rashi says, listen, we got to make a distinction. Between, the Torah makes a distinction between, as I was talking about earlier, between murder and, and manslaughter. For example. A, a doctor who's trying to heal somebody but gives them an overdose or the wrong medicine or simply 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 cannot save him uh, and ends up maybe killing him, God forbid, uh, or somebody who, that gets lashes and, and the right amount of lashes but dies from it, or a father who strikes his, his son in order to teach him but, God forbid, kills him, uh, or, or a teacher, and, and gives examples. These people were certainly not trying to murder. You have to judge them very differently. Uh, manslaughter, though it is a crime, especially when it's with negligence, uh, yeah. than, than, than murder, which we talked about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is always a lesson I try to get across to my kids, which is just because you did, didn't do something on purpose doesn't mean you're not going to live in its consequences. Right? And, and I think that's one of the things that the Torah teaches here is a very beautiful sort of moral lesson that Rashi extracts here, which is, is a, you know, is a golin zakain, right? That that uh, that that um, that God brings it about that that good things happen at the hands of those who do good, mm-hmm. and evil happens at the hands of those who do evil. So there's always a bigger picture within which the things that we didn't intend to do but happen through us fits into. It's worthy of reflection at all times. Why did I have the opportunity to do an act of good, or God forbid, the opposite? Yefe, how about the difference between stealing an ox or stealing a goat. If you steal an ox, you pay a higher fine than stealing a goat. Why? Because you've taken away, so one of the explanations, because you've taken away somebody's livelihood. Um, That's one explanation. Another one is... um, Cover the brute. Right, which is, let me get this right. I I get confused about this. If if a person... um, You steal a goat, you're going to throw it over your shoulders and run. Right. Which is kind of demeaning to even the thief. What can Whereas I the ox are just you? gonna you're Look gonna you're you. gonna Yeah. Like yeah. Ick, imagine the mess afterwards, you know. So it was, you lowered less? yourself, so you're gonna pay less because right, you, you're gonna pay less, the, right. Because the reduction of your dignity is such that it is already to some degree compensation. Wow. Okay, that's a very interesting thought. Like like that is that is really going into the you would, into somebody that you wouldn't think that's important so important to go into. But if you, but if you, into their mind, but if you stole somebody's ox, you all, you didn't just steal his property; you also stole his future welfare. That yeah. is that is calculated in terms of the punishment that you get when you're caught. Right. And it's also important to remember the relationship between shot and drash in this case. Meaning, the shot, the plain meaning of the text is like ox five, sheep four, zeu, <laughs> like, like that's it, right? But then the sages always want, as educators and as sort of moral instructors, 
want to extract a deeper level, which is like you're pointing out. If I'm so concerned about the dignity of a thief that I'm going to make him pay less because he had to throw the sheep over his shoulder and, and he got to lead the ox out, then sort of al has kamakamari, all the more so I should be concerned with the dignity of, of those around me. Meaning it's, a, it's not the explanation for why it is written such in the Torah. It's a lesson which can be learned from the fact that it is. There's an important distinction there. Very good, very good. The, the rest, uh, the, the rest of, the, of the first few chapters deal with torts and really make up the huge body of tort law that Judaism has, huge body of tort law, uh, you know, amazingly deep. Already just the biblical text is very deep about it, and then the Mishnah and the Talmud and, and, and the legal codex that comes out of it is, is massive, and it's really the stuff that even young children, this actually made me feel like I want to learn with my son the Mishnayot, uh, of the uh, four different kinds of uh, uh, of injuries, are, the shomrim, oh, the nizikim, yeah, they come together in the text here, right? And 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 we're talking about either people that that guard your stuff. Uh, there are different levels of uh, what's it called? Guards? Is that the uh... yeah, the shomrim? There's a different level of responsibility, responsibility that one holds right? for the possessions of others. I mean, it's very fascinating. The fact that the the four types of guards, I mean, the four levels of responsibility you can have for someone else's possession, and the four sort of means of, or five means of uh, of recompense, so like how you have to pay back, kind of get woven into one another in these parshiot, I think is a very important lesson, which is that, again, agency and responsibility come together. Now, before you said that the Torah was, it just said, you know, there's two different kinds of payments for different kinds of stuff, that's the pshat. And the Torah was kind of laconic, and you have, have to tease it out to understand, uh, you know, what what the deeper moral you know questions behind it are. But there are a few verses here that are very verbose and clear about how God sees things, uh, if 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 you will, and that it comes in chapter uh, twenty two, of verse um, twenty one. Kol lotanun, a widow, and and an orphan. Do not distress them. Do, do not do not kind of torture them. Don't 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 make them uh, uncomfortable. Why? If you distress him, if he calls out to me, I will certainly hear his 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 cry. This, by the way, also teaches us the importance of crying out to God, and and, and that God hears. But the Talmud tells us that even if he doesn't cry out, God hears. The cry, right. but it does show you that God hears the cry. This is the, this is maybe the, the second time that we've learned about God hearing the cries. We also heard it about God hearing the cries of the Jewish people in Egypt. But it's important. I, I mean this now. God forbid we should. Any of us should need it. But if you have a problem, you got to call out, and that, that's that's an important lesson there. But then, but then God, but then the Torah goes on and it says very harsh language about specifically mistreating the orphan uh, and the widow. The api, I will get angry at you. I will kill you on, with a sword. And your wives will be widows. And your sons will be orphans. Meaning to say there's a tit for tat in this world, as we've talked about many times, but God lays it right out for you in no uncertain terms. Mistreat these people and they cry out, I will take my vengeance upon you and I'll turn it exactly the opposite. If you create a society which is a society that lacks in mercy and, 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 and a, a mercy that's bound up with just, justice, and we'll see in just a little bit that you can be too merciful. We'll see that in just a second. But, but if, you're not, if you're not concerned with the weak people in your society, 
it'll all turn on you, and, and, and the elites will be the ones that face that very same destiny. I mean, these are the types of verses in the Torah that, that um, give me nightmares in our present uh, social construct, because we, with all the power um, of capitalism, and, I, and I'm, I'm a believer in, in private property and, and, and free enterprise, and said I'm not, uh, not um, kofar ikar as we say, uh, in the Western world. Nonetheless, I fear the fact that there is an incredible degree of callous relation to the weak, the vulnerable, and the needy in our world. Um, and we see it in COVID now. I mean, like, I feel sometimes incredibly blessed and other times, like, truly afraid of the fact that, I mean, the truth of the matter is, as much as it's been difficult from an economic standpoint, this year has been incredible for me. Like, I, you know, and, and yet I know for a fact that a quarter of our country lives right now under, beneath the poverty line. And and it's okay. I do. It's duckism. It's fun. I do. But, but I'm looking to our government, to our leadership, to say this. This is the fundamental problem. Not just God forbid people getting sick and that. But but look what's happening. And and if we don't, this is the thing. Is that God has said explicitly, I'm gonna take you down, and it's gonna hurt. And like there's that twist of like you know, Rashi points out, why does it say I'll kill you with swords, and your your wives will be widows, and your children will be orphans? Isn't that obvious? If you're dead. Rashi says it's like a fuch, fuch like you, you're going to die, but they won't even know whether you're dead. So your wife won't be able to be remarried and your children won't be able to access their inheritance. I mean, it's like worse than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. I, I worry about it. I really do. Um, I think I think that um, I, th- I think we could also take it just on a personal level. If you know people that suffer like that, the kindness that you could give them, the small kindnesses, um, can make a huge difference in their life if you can bring a, a smile to the face of an orphan uh, or a widow or, or people that are weak in society. Uh, that's a tremendous. That's a tremendous gift. Not always are those people easy to deal with, by the way. Um, no. um But but if you can, it's a blessing. Let's 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 leave it at a blessing. And in fact, let's make a blessing right now for somebody who is suffering from the COVID virus. We have uh, Jay White who says, "Shalom, gentlemen. Good to see you both again. My mother is recovering from COVID, but still in the hospital, sedated." Wow. Can please say another blessing for her, Yvette Bat Irene. She should uh, be so healthy and well. Refuah Shlema. We want to, we want to play, pray for Yvette Bat Irene to have Refuah Shlema, to have full health and recovery. And amongst Amen. all the people around the world, so many, so many people who have this illness and others uh, that, that need speedy recovery. And just a good thought about Amen. somebody else may, may return to all of us that say Amen uh, and be blessed back in our homes as well. So, Yvette yeah. Bat Irene, come, come back soon from the hospital. Amen. Um, here's an important one. Um, I think an important one. This is verse 27, chapter 22. Elohim lotekalel. Do not curse a judge or a powerful, or maybe a powerful person. Or God. Or God. But that we know from other places as well. Yeah, but, but uh, I mean, it's both. I mean, Rashi points out, right. I mean, mm-hmm. like the judges and God have a direct relationship. There's not a mistake that they share a noun, a proper noun here. Very good. Venasi uh, lotaor, and a leader, the a prince leader, amongst your people. A prince amongst your people, don't curse him. Now I found that the Talmud says, and I don't know why Rashi doesn't bring it here. I, I wonder about that, but it says nasi haosem mase. Oh, it says nasi bamcha haosem mase amcha. That that does the the duty the work of your people. He has to be a, a leader in your nation that does the work of your nation. For example, there might be elements 
uh, in the political spectrum that are uh, uh, leaders in your nation, but they may be, in your opinion, undermining, or in the opinion of, of important people, undermining the, the work of your nation. Uh, so are you then, are you then uh, allowed to curse them, or, or are you patur, are you uh, uh, no longer bound by this uh, blessing, uh, by this uh, commandment not to uh, curse a, um, a leader in your nation? Uh, but the point is, is that this is this is an important one. Well, it's important in two ways. On the one hand, it's important because there's like a bird tweeting in the background. Was that a bird in your in your? Yes, background? it is a bird in my background. Would you like me it's, to get rid of it? No, it's no, it's beautiful. It's just like it's so tweety. <laughs> this bird and I have a long running relationship because I hear him every morning when I'm davening. <laughs> He's quite. Cool. It's quite. It sounds fake, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, like I'm like, perfect. is this a phone ring or is that like no, what's no, going no, it's on bird. there? Oh my gosh! That, well, well, God bless you, little bird. Keep tweeting, okay? Keep tweeting. Tweet on our side. That's my rock and um, robin. That's right. <laughs> okay, don't curse. Don't curse a leader in your nation. That's what we're saying. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a guy who just confessed to having no faith in the political system. I mean, what am I supposed to do? No, this, this is no, no this faith. Is, no faith is not cursing. No, but that's what I, exactly why I mentioned it. Is that the, the next step and the danger? I mean, lacking faith is bad enough, but but um, the the danger of of cursing is that because then you're actively undermining the structure within which you live. Meaning, a bad political system is almost always better than none at all. And 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 that those of us like myself, like yourself, um, who've grown up in a, a time of unprecedented stability, human freedom prosperity now, it shouldn't be too quick to say like oh these you know these politicians they're all just they're they're they are for themselves they're corrupt they, to, not to say it why because it may be true and you might need to take actions to fix it but just talking about it simultaneously undermines the structure of stability and by the way is it a substitute for action if you really think it's so bad right. do something that's right that's a that's a great point i really like that point a lot I think that adds a lot. Uh, revolution of, starts tonight, by the way. You can be in touch. <laughs> We're, you know, you, you know, I took my daughter yesterday uh, to help fund some of the Jewish communities, the outlying Jewish communities, <laughs> the pioneering Jewish communities in, in Judea yesterday. Uh, then uh, we, um, then I spoke to a group of Aish, uh, Aish, what are they called? Generations, like a, like a, a Aish tour. Of, of young boys, and I even got Isa Amru, the uh, so-called human rights activist, the kind of anti anti Jewish community rights in Hebron, but a kind of famous activist that I that I spar spar with. I got him to speak to my group. I let him speak to my group. Uh, so we were just doing a lot of stuff yesterday to kind of, you know, just I just showed my daughter like we're doing a lot to like hold on to this land and to develop it. So yeah, the revolution has already started. We're we're part of the revolution. Um, and um, it's it's a merit to live in our time, and I think I think it's a big waste of time, as I think you pointed out. Interestingly, it's a waste of time to curse the leaders and to just it's be a, a, a you know a, a kind of a Monday morning quarterback. Is that the expression? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not. It's more than a waste of time. It, it actually is a diversion of energy. In in the same way that that worry is often a substitute for agency. Right. Right, and, and and it's not just that you worry about things you can't affect. Let's assume that that's a waste of time because what are you? Why are you worried about it? Like, what are you going to do? Worrying about things which you can affect becomes psychologically, and I see this in my counseling all the time. It it, it is a close enough to a feeling of action 
mm. that often people then fail to ever ever access the things which they could do in the same way. Such, it's like a- such an important point what you're saying now, and I want everybody to turn on their like self help hat right now, which is like. Just what Rav Mike is saying is worry and nervousness is many times a kind of soft inner excuse to not do the things that you know that you can do. And, right. and it fulfills that. It, it like satisfies that place. And it, but it's a bad cycle. It's a bad addiction. And by the way, the way, and I'll stop with this, the, one of the ways to get out of that cycle is being kind to oneself and asking, well, why am I not acting on this? Oftentimes there are very real reasons that we choose to worry as opposed to act or curse our leaders because because they're real challenges. It's not like I'm c- criticizing everybody who worries is just wasting their energy. No, often there are very real and perhaps even good reasons, but you have to ask yourself that question in mm. order to begin to gain agency in your life. Okay, let's go on. Uh, this is this is a great verse. Uh, verse 30. You'll be a holy people unto me. It's a command. Yeah. Be. That's right. Be a holy people. Right. Be a holy people. And if you find a, 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 a dead meat, dead animal in the <laughs> field, don't eat it. Yeah. Because it ain't holy. Which means send, give it to the dog. And by the way, if you're reading it, let's say in English or from a perspective of like that, that this is literature, you know, it's, it's literary. It's like throw it to the dog. But the, but the sages are like, oh, well, that means that you could sell it. You could derive pleasure from it. You could sell it to a Gentile. You could, you, you, you could, you could, you could utilize this thing, but you can't eat it because you've got a holy status. And I want you to be an Anshe Kodesh. And, but don't lose the literary power here. Because the literary power is, what does it mean? This is, by the way, one of the more important verses in terms of understanding what holiness is, which is always an elusive term which is that on this level, holiness means you're not an animal. Mm-hmm. Because the normal thing to do in, in the ancient world, and even today, is when resources come to you, you consume them. What do I care how it got here? What do I care if it's a little bit you know, messed up by a wolf or whatever? You know, So that so the Torah is saying that that's a dog's attitude. And that's fine for a dog. In fact, you should give it to your dog. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Because they, in fact, you know, like they, they say that this is the dog's reward that they didn't bark at Am Israel when they left Egypt. But you're not a dog. You're a human being. You're a mensch, as we say in Yiddish. And, and that's part of what it means to be holy, which is that you control your urges and your needs and your desires and even your legitimate estimation that could profit from this. And, and, and you're Anche Kodesh. Very good. Very good. Uh, big difference. Uh, you know, we're not dogs. And, and, and maybe the, 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 the regular Hasbro folks will say, you see, uh, you know, that's why we can't believe that we come from monkeys. It's like a different thing. It's not like we're part of the same thing. We're on the same spectrum. It's like, no, there's, you, you have a separate role to play. And there is a role for the others. The, there isn't a role for, for the dog. And for the, yeah, for we, sure, we the whole world. That. Right. God made it all. Okay. Uh, the next bit of laws we'll talk about. Um, I'm skipping so many important things, but... Uh, they'll talk about the the, the festivals. Uh, we'll talk about the the. Um, gosh, should I do, do this or not? Oh my gosh! I think I just have to read this verse just to read it. Uh, uh-huh. This is verse twenty three eight. lotikach. Don't take don't take um, um, bribes. bribes bribery. Because bribery will blind the uh, wise people, the clever people. You'll be blinded. And pikrim also means open eyes, but you'll, right. your open eyes will become blind. Yep. And will, will warp 
the words of the just, but another way of tzaddik has a, an element of like straight. So you'll become the, the blind, the, the open-eyed clever will become blinded. The, the, the straight leaning will become crooked. So don't take, don't take uh, bribery, but bribery could be a lot of things. Bribery could be, it's back to the <laughs> issue be, we talked about could before. Be, could be champagne, could be cigars. <laughs> it could be those things, but I think it's more, uh, I think bribery a lot of times in our modern life is, uh, um, you'll be cool. That's a kind of bribery as well. Yes, yeah. almost, it's social capital for sure. Right, right. You, you, That's you, a real you'll, thing. You, you'll, be on, you'll be on the right side of history, hey? You know, um, you, you know, you, you won't be with the other bad guys, which we just besmirched very badly. Yes. Um, you know, maybe you're like, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get into the, the American spectrum of it. But anyway, I wanted to read that, 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 that particular passage. Okay. Uh, but one passage that, that may surprise a lot of people, and I want to read this for the Gentiles uh, that listen to this program, a lot of people wonder why sometimes we don't, we try not to say the name of, uh, of other people's gods. Uh, and sometimes they'll, they'll, you know, my Christian friends will be kind of weirded out by the fact that we won't say the name uh, uh, of their God, their deity. We, we may get upset. At, like they, they may get upset at, at this weird unwillingness to say it. Just, okay, it's our thing. So just say, it. no, the Torah actually has a verse about that, which you should know about. And I think this is a verse that's instructive for everybody. Um, um, this is verse 2313. Everything that I've said to you, Protect yourselves from. Do not, you know, make a protection of it. Don't uh, abide by these things so that they will keep you safe. Do not say the name of other gods. Or, or don't remember, don't, don't mention the names of other gods. It should not be heard on your mouth. The, I mean... This and just the the technical the technical point of that is let's say you're in Manhattan and you're like okay I want I'm gonna meet you meet me at the corner of this church and this church the Torah says don't do that uh, don't don't mention that as a place marker uh, or or say you know let what, let's meet the day after Christmas the Torah says no don't don't do that you know what I mean say uh, you know say Sunday uh, you know this and this date but don't do this thing where you give. Uh, give uh, a, a status and a beauty or any kind of like over respect to this thing which I don't want you to respect too much you're a Jewish people you're separate you're not to mention Christmas as the date of or 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 meet at this corner better say meet at fifth and 42nd rather than say at uh, at this and this church and and in many ways this is an expression of where we began in this idea of um, the problematics of consensus reality mm-hmm Right, meaning, meaning, what, what the scene that is portrayed behind you, and, and we believe to be the beginning of an exposure of of a deeper layer of what will ultimately be a human reality. But the problem is, is that the Jews are just like everybody else, so therefore we can easily fragment. And so, what God's saying is that don't use these as your reference points. Right. Don't because this is not about worshiping, like you pointed out. This is not about idolatry. Obviously, there's a connection. It's about what what frame do you use for the world in which you move? It's very similar in that respect to the fact that, according to many opinions, one shouldn't count the months as numbers in this from the secular calendar because it says you know that Nissan is supposed to be the first of months. Right. So that you can't there. It's not that you can't say January, February, but you shouldn't say the second month in reference to February. 
Right. Because that's not your frame mm-hmm. of reference. That doesn't mean it's not, it doesn't have its own legitimacy in its own place, but that's not our thing. That's not what we represent in this world. Um, and, and I think that distinction is very important. I, I want to tell you about a certain, a certain thing that happened to me once. I was uh, at a rally, uh, the, the Ninth of Av rally that's run by the Women in Green organization. And I was asked to speak in English there. And it was like a fast night, you know, fast day. And, and I was speaking there in front of a lot of people. And there was a lot of cameras and stuff. And I said something to the, to the effect of, you know, God does not, uh, I said, Jewish people are liberal. That's a, that's a tendency that we have. And that means that we believe in liberties. We believe in people's rights. And we believe in people's rights to, 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 and value. But at the same time, I asked, are we liberal with God? Do we, do we believe that God has got his rights? And he says about this holy city, Jerusalem, and it's a Tisha B'Av night, which is, which is the night that we remember the destruction of Jerusalem, that we pine away for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And I said, you know, are we liberal with God? Because all God asks is, he doesn't say take down mosques and churches and other places. He doesn't say go around the world and, and destroy the Conquer, stuff. right. Right. He doesn't say do that, but he says this tiny little place, Israel, this tiny Israel, this room, my room, in my little room, I want it to be empty of these things. I want it to be a place for the service of the way I'm tr- passing on to you the Torah. There's other places in the world for, for, for those religions and those ways, and I'm not taking it away, but give me my little room. If you give me my little room, the whole world will be transformed. And this was caught on video, and a lot of uh, you know people who, who don't like the things that that I stand for. You stand for right, right. So they use that video, and my and 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 my wife and other and other people said to me, maybe you should take off this video from YouTube or whatever it was. And I said, no, I, I I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to I'm not going to kowtow to this. Like yeah, it's not like very favorable in a politically correct environment. And yes, they'll use it against me. But I'm like I'm just going to have to stand by what I said. I didn't say anything. Wrong. I just said this little place is where God wants this thing, and I, I'm. How should I say? I'm not going to be forced to recognize your thing as co-equal in this small place. And that's not always very popular. You know, it's, I'm no. sure it's not popular what I'm saying right now. Um, but but it but it's but it's our truth, and to be able to say that is is it's you know it's 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 our truth. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's very hard in the world, which on one hand has sort of like elevated and glorified that notion of it's my truth, this is my identity, etc. But somehow when it comes to certain categories, and I'm Israel is always up there, not you. Right? Because your truth is an inconvenient truth, to borrow right. a phrase. <laughs> okay, so so that, that was a very interesting discussion. Uh, and um, and now, now, do you have, how many more minutes do you actually have of Mike Foyer? Uh, a few, but not okay. many. Like what? Like what? Like seven minutes? Yeah, we get to seven. Okay. But like really seven. Yeah. First thing, I want everybody to join uh, Rav Mike's other show, which is uh, the Jewish Story Podcast, found at jewishstory.co, and also his spiritual guidance work, um, which is found at ravmike.com. Ravmike.com. That's right. That's right. And, And that's very, very helpful to a lot of people, saving marriages and stuff like that. Even 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 dieting advice. Forget about it. So you're, you're gonna you're, you're gonna get a spiritual makeover, and you're gonna be renewed and rebuilt. Spiritual makeover. Spiritual makeover. You like that? <laughs> no, actually, no, I don't. But it was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny is good in its own way. Um, what I want to do right now is I want to read in English the seventh Aliyah, part of the seventh Aliyah, uh, and I want you. To stop me whenever you think uh, uh, it needs to be commented upon, okay? 
That's okay. the way I, I read this thing and I'm like, I just got to read this out loud and, and you could stop me and pause me anytime. Um, here we go. Hmm. There shall be no woman who loses her young or is infertile in your land. I shall fill the number of your days. I shall send my fear before you and I shall confound the people amongst you uh, whom you shall come to. Meaning to say the, the, your enemies that you're coming to the land and that you'll fight with. And I shall make all your enemies turn their back of their neck to you, as in run away. I shall send the hornet swarm before you, and I will drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite before you. I shall not drive them away in a single year, lest the land become desolate and the wildlife of the field multiply against you. Little by little shall I drive them away from you until you become fruitful and make the land your heritage. I shall set the border from the Sea of Reeds to the Sea of the Philistines. Some people tell me that Eilat is not part of Israel. There you go, from the Sea of Reeds to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness onto the river. For I shall deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them away from before you. So just pause for a second. Yeah. Um, it just, I mean, a lot aside, I'm, right now, you know, next year is the, the sabbatical year, Shemitah year. So I've already started my learning, and, and, and it started with um, the question of the borders of the land. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, is the borders of the land is a, is a complicated historical process. And, and right. I think that's important to appreciate that this is part of what God is saying here is that like, I have an ultimate destination, which is this full extent of the kingdom, but it's not a magic wand people, right? It's first of all, contingent on all these myths or these commandments I've given you. And second of all, it's still process oriented. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. I just, want to I, I just want to tell you very shortly. I was, I was uh, with Noam Arnon, the, the legendary spokesman of Chevron yesterday in the car for half a day. And I asked him big questions and he just said to me, it's a time of opportunity. The whole question is, are we going to seize the opportunity or not? That, that's the question here. Uh, you, you know, I was like, what's the grade that we're getting for, for, for this third arrival of the Jewish people in the land of Israel? He's like, it's all a matter of opportunity. Are we seizing the opportunity or not? Anyway, let's keep going. Um, um, right. from the, Yes. You shall not seal a covenant with them or their gods. They shall not dwell in your land lest they cause you to sin against me that you will worship their gods, for it will be a trap for you. So pause. Right. Um, I mean, you gave me the power, so I'm going to hit again. It's a very important, it's a very specific term here. That a, a brit, a covenant, has two aspects in, in biblical thought. One is the contractual, which people are often familiar with. I'll do this, you do that, we'll make a deal. But um, that's, that's not actually what's being spoken about here because elsewhere in the Torah it speaks about the idea of mas and shibud, right? Um, like of, uh, of like, you know, taxation and subjugation, which sound harsh in our ears. But frankly, as people who live even within a democracy, we can understand what taxation and subjugation looks like. Sure. Um, but the other side of a covenant is it's in sort of its unbreakable element. That it's a, it is a, um, a commitment to one another which transcends the utilitarian functionality of contract. And that you may not do, says God, because I, I need you to fill this land. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, I think, a very important usage of greed here. Yeah. And I think that we are, in this, we are missing the opportunity to hold on to our land. Certainly traveling through Judea yesterday, I saw a lot of missed opportunity. But part of that is because we don't know how to relate to the very real human beings that live here. That That's part of that, certainly. Um, part of that is that we've been... We've been we've been coming coming out of two thousand years of fear is not an easy. Uh, but those two, modality. those two, yeah. But those who don't don't um, they're directly related. Meaning, meaning the fear mentality means is like an all or nothing mentality. Either 
cower in fear or destroy, right? And, and neither of them is a, is, a, is a viable strategy right now. And unfortunately, since we've been basically muddling the situation for over 50 years, we've made it worse and worse. We've created realities that didn't need to be struggled with in our relationship with the Arabs of this land. You know, it's a... Uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, and and I at, at the same time that I had this kind of this, like painful sights yesterday that I saw in Judea, I also had an evening Zoom event, Arabs and Jews uh, talking around the same stuff. And we had a great time. We just had such a great conversation about the will of God. By the way, it's so fun to talk with Arabs as opposed to Westerners because they have like a like a regular layman will tell you about God and Allah and what he wants and how to talk to him, how to pray to him. And it's just like it's very – I thought to myself – Boy, this is fun to be able to talk to a, a modern person about God in a serious way without yep. feeling any kind of weird embarrassment about it. Because you talk to like a Westerner, it's like, uh, you know, they're like secularists. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, like it, it was just so like, I'm like, this is great. All right, we got to get through this. This is very important stuff. So I, I want to right, finish quickly. it up. So I got to go. Yep. Uh, to Moses. I also have a meeting, by the way. Oh, I boy. think you're late. I actually have to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll just read this. <laughs> I gotta leave in five minutes. For, I gotta leave. Like, okay, to yeah. Moses he said, "Go up, go up to Hashem, you Aaron, Nadav, and Avihu, and the seventy elders, and you shall prostrate yourselves from a distance. And Moses alone shall approach Hashem, and, he, and but they shall not approach, and the people shall not go up with him." Moses came to the people and told and, and all the and told the words the people the words of Hashem and all the ordinances, and the entire people responded with one voice. They said, "All the words that Hashem has spoken, we will do." And I want to skip a little bit. One second. It's a long Aliyah. I was so yeah. surprised you had to read it all. I just, because I thought so important. Moses, Aaron, Nadav, and Avihu, and the 70 elders ascended. They saw the God of Israel, and under his feet was the likeness of sapphire brickwork. And it was like the essence of the heaven in purity. Against the great men of, and the children of Israel, God, he, God, did not raise his, stretch out his hand. And they gazed at the God and they ate and drank. I mean, I can't, like, there's no way to address that. Is, is that, is that honestly some of the most, it's clearly meant to be some of the most mystical phrases in the Torah. And I love it that it's bound up in the Torah portion where it's like the law and the technical of tort law and, and all that. And then it's like, and by the way, they saw God and they gazed upon the sapphire brickwork, whatever yeah. that means. <laughs> We're going to leave it as a mystery. We'll leave it as a mystery. That's so right. Rev Mike Foyer, I want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. I want to thank you so much. Uh, I also want to say that I got a great uh, package of stuff from uh, Prohibition Pickle this week, and I hope that you will as well. Uh, I, I wanted to mention, thank you for I also am, ha I have a delivery coming, and I'm so excited. I don't know who it's from. I, it hasn't yet been revealed to me. So whoever you are out there, thank you. All right, Prohibition Pickle is one of the sponsors of our show. Uh, and uh, check them out on Instagram and Facebook. And they, they, they make our Shabbos awesome. They can make your Shabbat awesome if you're in the land of Israel. Uh, great. Uh, you know, I, I even got... My favorite. I, it's most, almost ineffable, the ineffable name, Salami. Yes. <laughs> it was delicious. And, and there's many more sponsors. We'll talk about it uh, later tonight. I'll be back on live again. Uh, for now, I want to thank everybody for being with us from all over the world. Um, Catherine says, always thought-provoking. Tadarabah, Rav's Mike, Rabbi's Mike and Ishai. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you very much. Rav Mike, thank you for taking your time. God bless you. 
And may uh, Hashem help us learn this Torah portion, understand it, its depth, and also learn its, its, its further depths in the Mishnah and in the Talmud. And then finally, of course, to, to making it really, being able to pass it to our children and, and making it part of our real life. So thank you so much, Rav Mike. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. God bless. See you soon. And I'm out. Lots of blessings. Write me an email, yishaiatthelandofisrael.com, yishaiyishaifleischer.com. Uh, always here for you. And we'll be back with more live programming uh, here on, on whatever you're watching right now and more great stuff. Thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to my good friend, Lou Weiss, who's helping produce the show. Lou Weiss says, thank you, rabbis. Shabbat shalom. Thank you, guys. And God bless. Blessings from the land of blessings. And shalom. Prayer, faith, and healing. Find out about it from a Judean perspective. We want this life to be good. It's so good. Cherish every day. Thank you, God, for every day. The Land of Israel Fellowship invites you to learn Torah from Judea, a new cycle, a new world, with Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz. And if you don't see life as one incredible gift, you won't see God. But if you can see the gift, then you'll be blessed to see the giver. To sign up, visit thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship.